never forget It could be fatal, wait on hope Come back out and act out emotions and hope Don't you ever forget It could be fatal, wait on Dell Come back out and act out emotions and hope Don't you ever forget It could be fatal, wait on souls Come back out and act out emotions and hope Don't you ever forget It could be fatal, wait on Come back out and act out emotions and hope It could be fatal Good morning and welcome to episode 422 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh. Ben, how are you? Great. Okie doke. Did you uh, see, and I didn't hear this myself, and I I I guess I should be careful about, uh, you know, sports talk radio hearsay or whatever, but um, somebody said that uh, Dave O'Brien, the Red Sox, uh, ra- one of the Red Sox radio guys, uh, after uh, Yasiel Puig like showed up late on Friday, mm-hmm. as 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 it was relayed to uh, to me, sort of relayed to me. I mean, I saw it. I saw somebody say it. Uh, he said he went. He was uh, talking about how uh, you know. Puig is, is going to be out of the league in like two years or something like that. Hmm. Wow. That is as hot as they get. I that sent you I sent you a hot take by someone. Did you? Uh, yeah. There you were some email. There were some really hot ones. Um, I mean, in how long do you think it will be before the first article about Yasiel Puig, veteran mentor, when he, he settles down and he matures and he's mentoring a young player who is hot-headed. I would say that generally it's a pretty quick turnaround. However, I think that Puig is genuinely as bad as I mean like I don't I don't think that we need to vilify him the way that he is necessarily and I don't think that the fact that he's crazy means that he needs to be DFA'd or anything like that. Um however, I do believe that he is just as crazy as he's made out to be. Like I think that Puig is completely uncontrollable and is going to, you know, do something to damage himself or, you know, I mean, it really does seem like this is probably a fairly realistic representation of him. Now, the, um, the dancing on his grave aspect of it is, is tactless, but Mm. yeah, I mean, clearly the Dodgers think this is like something of a problem and the, you know, the, it's it's a pretty steady trickle of this stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I, I, I figure Puig, uh, for the average player, uh, I would guess four years. But I think Puig might actually require longer than that. Like, I could see Puig being, like, seven years. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah, so uh, uh, this is, multiple people said that Dave O'Brien was speculating that he would be out of baseball in two years. Seems quite unlikely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I guess what he will do. potentially he could be playing for a different team if he shows no no progress. Uh, not not what Dave O'Brien said. He did not say <laughs> out of Dodger Blue. He said out of baseball. So let's imagine what will Puig be doing in two years if he is not playing baseball. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe he'll be a race car driver mm. or. Uh, I don't know, someone who shows up late to things. I would say he will likely be training show dogs. <laughs> yeah, sure. Seems as All likely right. as anything else. All right, so uh, from one tweet to another, because uh, my topic is inspired by a tweet um, as well, 
Um, Dave Cameron, uh, a couple days ago after the A's got rained out, um, despite there being no rain, uh, you saw this, I assume? Uh, I saw that they were rained out because they didn't put the tarp on the field, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. night before. It had rained the previous night, and they hadn't put the tarp on the field, and the infield didn't dry out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to cancel a game even though the skies were totally blue. Um, and around that time, and I'm presuming in response to that time, Dave wrote, uh, worth saying again, MLB is more financially sound than it has ever been. A's play in a dump for no reason. Embarrassing for the sport. And I've been thinking about this, and I'm not sure uh, how I feel. I'm not sure if I agree wholeheartedly or I disagree uh, vehemently. Uh, So I wanted to know whether you think that it is Major League Baseball's obligation to get the A's out of that park, and whether you think it is. And primarily I bring this up because I I figure if Bud Selig is going to be doing his retirement tour, uh, we have, in my mind, we have six months in which to process every single thing that happens in baseball through the lens of whether or not it reflects badly on Bud Selig's legacy. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know whether you think it reflects poorly on Bud Selig's legacy that the A's continue to play in a park that isn't very good in a city that isn't very uh, interested in baseball um, and whether you think this is a ding on him. Um. I don't know if I feel that way about the park. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Baseball baseball history is filled with ugly, terrible ballparks where teams played for a number of years. And uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's not really. I mean, if the place were were so run down that you literally could not play baseball there, that it it which was the case in this this one game. But I got the sense that. That was only partially because of the the park itself, and it was you know just a kind of a bad decision on the the part of the grounds crew, or they were given bad information or something, and the field yeah. was just soaked. And maybe that could have happened anywhere. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think this particular case with the rain is just a a way of getting into the conversation. I don't. Right. This is yeah. this is not the uh, you know the most damning thing that's ever happened. Uh, to the Oakland A's ballpark, of course, the mm-hmm. you know the, the sewage stuff is a bigger deal in right. terms of optics, yes. and the nobody ever going, no matter how many games they win, is a bigger deal in terms of uh, effect. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the league itself can or should do about a ballpark that's not as nice as the other ballparks. I mean, Bud Selig often will advocate for a team to get a new park. Or, you know, he'll celebrate that a team did get a new park or something. But uh, I don't know that baseball should, you know, pay for a new park or anything like that. And I'm not really in favor of the whole public funding thing, just based on the fact that it usually seems to be a, a raw deal for the, the local community. So I guess the thing that you can ding him for is this, this so-called committee that has been reviewing the situation for five years now. Um you know, whether whether they should move to San Jose and whether another team would have to be compensated for that or, you know, it would be nice, I guess, to get some some resolution on that one way or another. Yeah, I um, the park isn't uh, isn't good by sort of modern standards, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But I personally and I don't know if this is just being, um, you know, nostalgic or whatever. But, um, I, I actually don't think that parks need to be very good. And, Mm -hmm. um, it sort of bothers me slightly that 
um, we kind of think that everything has to be uh, designed, you know, beautifully and modern and, and awesome in order to be uh, to be good. Either that, or it has to have like kind of uh, this classic traditional history behind it, so that um, we can worship it in another way. I mean, sometimes things can just be like if they if they serve the purpose, they can just exist. And I don't actually need baseball to be that much fancier for me to enjoy it. Um, and so as far as the park itself, I mean, the park was perfectly fine for like for decades, you know, and it's not like in the, in the seventies, anybody was going, well, this park's a dump. We'll never play baseball in here. And if it was, you know, good enough for our, for our dads, it seems like it should be good enough for us. I I mean, I, I generally just think that, um, the, if the function works, if, if it, if it can host baseball, uh, then it's, you know, kind of good enough. Like candlestick was replaced, but Candlestick was impossibly cold. I mean, it, mm-hmm. like you, you actually could hardly survive a game there. It was not suitable for the sport of baseball. And Oakland is fairly suitable. It's plain. It's there's no bells or, or whistles, but it's a comfortable place. The seats face the field. Um, you can <laughs> you can you can get in and out. There's public transit that goes there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's places you can buy food and that, that seems like it's plenty. I, I always have sort of found that it feels slightly askew. Like to me, it feels like the field is like, like the outfield is five degrees off center or something. But I've mentioned that to a bunch of people and nobody has agreed with me. <laughs> uh, like it just feel like it sort of feel, hey, did you ever pitch when you were in little league and the pitcher's mound was just slightly off? Like it was just slightly like. <laughs> Like like a couple degrees off, and that shouldn't have mattered because you were just standing there and, and you were pitching toward the plate, and yet it made all the difference in the world. When I'm when I'm at the Coliseum, I feel like it's just slightly off. I feel like I'm I feel like something something shifted the the background. Anyway, so the park itself doesn't bother me. The sewage stuff, yeah, <laughs> right. That's that good. Um. <laughs> that's pretty bad. But I don't know. I mean, to me, like. I don't know. I mean, a real team that really wanted to play baseball there would fix that, right? Like, that's not that hard to fix, I wouldn't think. Like, that's a mm-hmm. – I don't know. That feels like that right. sort of Right, you don't of have team. to build a new stadium to, you know, get new pipes or whatever it is that they need. Um, yeah, yeah. That seems to sort of fit with the idea that the A's simply just they, – they don't want to be there, so they're not going to invest any – they figure they might not be there long, so they're not going to invest anything in it. And, and it kind of hit, helps the the case that they're trying to make if it's if it's bad. Like when I covered schools, school districts would tell you you know how awesome they were. And every single day they'd tell you how amazing they were, except when they were trying to pass, pass a uh, – a bond to, to build new facilities. Mm-hmm. And then they'd invite you in and show you how awful everything was. And they'd show you all like the cockroaches and they'd be like, it's disgusting. We're in the worst school district in the world. And like, there's this is one hour where they would completely bad. So I kind of feel like with the A's, it, it's a little like that. And so when we, but we both read Jonah's book about yeah, the X-Rose. Yeah, going to bring that up. And so that Jonah writes about, uh, he quotes somebody talking about how uh, by the night, I think it was by the nineties, um, you know, nobody was coming to games and partly nobody was coming to games or it might have been later. Partly nobody was coming to games because all the expos did was talk about how horrible the park was and how they mm-hmm. needed a new park. And if they couldn't get a new park, they could never survive, much like the A's are doing. And so the person that Jonah quotes says, it's like you are you have this restaurant that all they do is tell you that there's cockroaches in, in, the, in, in the restaurant. Well, nobody wants to go to that 
restaurant anymore. So they, people just quit going. They just take you at your word that there's cockroaches everywhere. And so the, there's, there's this way that the A's are, I don't know, it seems to seem to be sort of sabotaging their, their short term, um, you know, ability to draw fans in the hopes that it leads to a long term solution. And that's, I don't know, that's probably strategically sound, uh, for their business, but from, for our purposes, it does not actually make the park any worse. I mean, the park is fine. I'm, that's all I'm saying. The park is yeah, fine. Right. I mean, it's, it's shortcomings are magnified by the fact that, you know, just about every team has since either gotten a new fancy ballpark with all the bell, bells and whistles or has one of the few, you know, Fenway, Wrigley, Dodger Stadium, historic places that have been upgraded and renovated and have the history and also look sort of nice. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's drab and it's multi-purpose and it's not it's not a place that you really look forward to being in or seeing, I, I suppose. But it it works. It used to work. It could continue to work. Um, and there are many examples of worse places that were less suited to baseball. I mean, just thinking about Jonah's book, thinking about the the first place the Expos played, Jerry Park, which was just like a park in a field where you would like <laughs> play softball yeah. on the weekend or something. And they just it was, sort of... It was like a converted <laughs> high school stadium, wasn't it? It was like, it sounded like it wasn't even really a stadium. Like it was just a, a diamond that they sort of built stuff around. Um, yeah. And then... Of course, Olympic Stadium has the same shortcomings as as Oakland, but also, you know, had no roof for much of its history and was in Montreal, so it was even colder. And 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 then when it did have a roof, it was like falling down sometimes. And uh, the field was rock hard, and there was no padding on the walls, and it was just kind of awful. Um, so you know, between that and all the parks and in baseball history that have had ridiculous dimensions where you could just, you know, pull a ball 250 feet down the line and hit it out or something. It's not, uh, you know, if you were ranking the worst ballparks or the worst playing situations of any team, I doubt the A's current one would be, you know, in the top 10. Um, but so, so I, I mean, that just leads into the question of whether the market is the problem and whether they should have to to move or whether they should be allowed to move and whether they should just be given an answer on that one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess that's probably true. I mean, I don't think if they built a nice stadium in Oakland, it would have any real significant effect on their long-term viability. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just as, as long as, as long as I've you know, been in the Bay area, it's, you know, largely been a giant's market. It's been, Really, I would say even even more so probably in the last you know twenty twenty years because you know KNBR, which is the the mega sports station here, is a giant station, and so all the you know all the sports sports talk radio in the area basically goes through KNBR, and it's a very predominantly Giants station. Whether you know no matter which team is winning, it's more of a giant station, and they broadcast the Giants games, and you know the the Mercury News which is the Silicon Valley newspaper has always been, a, in my opinion, a Giants newspaper that Giants get better play. And so there's just been this kind of way that over the last 20 years, the, the region has, has, you know, declared itself a Giants region and it's not as much fun to go to Oakland and the East Bay as it is to go to San Francisco. And, um, you know, 
people don't really associate with Oakland the way they associate with San Francisco. So I don't know. I, I think that probably the solution was never going to be Oakland. Um, and the, the park is probably the secondary effect of that, that the, the park represents Oakland and therefore it, it's a failing park. But, you know, I think if this park were in San Jose, they probably would do just fine in it. Mm-hmm. So then is that a black mark against Bud Selig that, that there has been no rev- resolution to this, that, that the, the giants having the territorial rights to San Jose is still an impasse here? Um, well, you have to give some credit to the giants, I think. I mean, you know, the other thing that came up in Jonah's book is just sort of the idea that you make this decision, like with the Expos, they made this decision in the mid-70s to support baseball in Toronto and to support another expansion team in Canada. And that really, in kind of in my reading of the book, was sort of like the point where the Expos just began to die and their mm-hmm. death was sort of inevitable. And so you have to appreciate that that a business decision uh, over you know the course of many decades it can be uh, you know devastating and so to me the Giants probably there's there's virtually no dollar figure that they could get for compensation that would make this worthwhile for them that mm-hmm. this is going to be a huge uh, you know money suck for them when they lose the South Bay and. Um, I mean, the only reason for them to negotiate is if they feel like it's an inevitability and then they're just trying to get as much as they can out of it. But I mean, you have to sort of give the Giants credit for keeping it going this long. There's nothing in this for them. This is, I mean, assuming that baseball is going to be going for the next century, this is going to hurt them financially. And it would be dumb for them to give, you know, to give an inch. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, Bud Selig, I don't know what his, I don't know what his, his role is, I don't know who he's supposed to be on the side of in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you have clearly have a franchise that is ailing financially, but for reasons that are, you know, more or less fair, I would say, I mean, they gave that territory away. Um, it's, you know, not their territory to steal at this point. Uh, they gave it away. It sounds like Dumbly, that, that was a mistake. That was their equivalent of giving, of, of having the Blue Jays come in and, you know, take their market. But they did appear to have given it away. And so, you know, it, I don't know if it's Bud Selig's job to fix that. I mean, the A's are no less competitive than any other team. I mean, we don't need equality necessarily throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something, I mean, you could almost make the case that one of the greatest things that happened during Bud Selig's tenure is that the Oakland A's had to figure out a way to work with their limitations. <laughs> and that there's something about inequality in baseball that leads to great outcomes, to, to great um, developments in strategy, to certainly a much different character in the competition, um, and that makes it a lot more fun. It's not necessarily more fun if you're in one of these cities. And, of course, the flip side of that is the Pirates and the Royals and having an entire generation of fans who never you know, got to see their team make the playoffs until they were 30. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to know what's going to make baseball better or what's going to make baseball wor- worse. And I would say, all in all, the Oakland A's situation uh, has made baseball really great. Yeah, certainly more interesting to to people like us. Um, hmm. 
Well, I don't know. I, I guess uh, maybe his his primary goal or his or the commissioner's primary goal should be sort of protecting the antitrust exemption, and that maybe but like that's their equivalent. Uh, like once he gives once they lose that, that's their equivalent of of having Toronto right in right. the market. Like that's their one long term thing yeah. that they can't give up. And so if you look at it that way, then I guess, uh, you know, it, this could be a threat to that eventually if someone manages to put a lawsuit together about the A's not being allowed to move and and that does get to the Supreme Court and that does get overturned, then, you know, that would be a that'd be probably the maybe the, the biggest way that a commissioner of baseball could could screw up if on his watch the the antitrust exemption is overturned. Um, but it hasn't gotten to that point yet. So I guess thus far, uh, it hasn't been a miscalculation. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, you're right. It, I don't know whether it's baseball's responsibility to make sure that every franchise is healthy and, and profiting and drawing, you know, as many fans as any other franchise is. Um, there's always going to be, you know, one or two that are not as not as wealthy, not as profitable, and not drawing as many fans, no matter where you put them, probably. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know whether there are 30 markets in the country where, you know, everyone could just be raking in money and drawing tons of fans, or whether inevitably there will be one or two teams that will be lagging behind. Um, and maybe there are more than one or two right now, but uh, it seems like there's probably a probably always going to be someone who's last. Yeah, it, so uh, it seems to me that it was uh, kind of BP's editorial policy in, in the mid-2000s that um, there should be much more of a free market uh, approach to territorial rights and that, like, for instance, it was ludicrous that there would be no third or even fourth or maybe more team in New York, for instance. So if if everybody could just go wherever they wanted and it was totally free. Like, what do you think that would do? I mean, would the Royals pack up and go to New York? Would there be too many teams in New York? Would there be too much movement? Would Would there be sort of a crass way in which teams were hopping all over the place trying to chase the next big market? Mm. Is Do you think that the territorial rights ultimately are good for the game? Uh, I don't know. I mean, people don't like it when uh, when players change teams too often. It seems like people complain about roster turnover and how, you know, like my, my girlfriend's dad used to be a big baseball fan and then post-free agency, he sort of lost interest in it because he felt like players were just changing teams all the time and, you know, you were never... You're, the players that you got attached to and were rooting for had a good chance of being somewhere else the next year. And that really accelerated in the the 90s and early in the 2000s. And uh, I don't know that that has really affected the health of the game all that much. But if actual franchises were moving, that that seems like it would be a bad thing if that were happening often. I don't know how often it would happen, really, because it's a lot of trouble to move a franchise. You have to, you know, make sure you have a ballpark that works and... You, you know, you have to build up a whole new fan base and maybe, I mean, you'd have to go head to head with the other teams that were in that market and it would just be a, a real pain to uproot, you know, whatever tradition, whatever following you have in the market where you've been 
to go somewhere else, you'd have to you'd have to really be pretty confident that you could profit from that move. But I'm sure we would see it happen, and it would probably not be a a good thing. I would think. I mean, when you know, if you if you are a fan of a certain team and that team just leaves to try to make a little more money, will you follow that team? Will you still be a fan of that team in whatever new market it is? Will you find some new team to root for? Or will you just sort of say, all right, well, they didn't want to stay here. I will not be a baseball fan anymore. You know, the Rockies in, 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 in the Rockies expansion year, they drew 4.5 million fans. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. That's an insane number of fans. I mean, the next kept... year they would have actually. The next year they would have they would have they would have drawn even more, except for the strike. They were actually averaging fifty eight thousand fans a game. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So maybe if you uh, maybe if you kept moving year after year to a new place, you'd do fine. The Rockies finished first in the National League in attendance their first seven years. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh... People like offense, I guess. And Coors Field is nice. Um, mm. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe there would you just keep getting that sort of honeymoon effect where you go to a new market that was excited about having a new team, and then you yeah. stay there for a few years and pull up stakes. Yeah, yeah, maybe you would. Uh, all right, I gotta okay. go think about Puig for a little bit. <laughs> okay, I'm not um, done thinking about Puig today. You should uh, tell people that you you did the reliever league stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so the reliever league standings are up. There's a Google Doc. I'm updating them uh, so far every day, but it'll probably be every couple days. Um, and so if you have a um, reliever league team and you want to find the you know your standings, you can either what go on the Facebook page and there's instructions for how to get there, or you can mm-hmm. just get in touch with me and I'll send you a link or something. Yep. Yeah. Go to the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. There is a Ben's in second place. Ben's yeah. in second place out of 130 teams right now. Pretty excited about that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's early, but, um, you track, are you, tra- are you at the point where you're tracking your team as the day goes on? <laughs> uh, I'm not quite at that point, but when I do see that there's a situation shaping up where one of my guys might get in the game, um, I'm definitely thinking about it. I'm not, not to the point where I've like added alerts for when these guys are coming in, but I might get there. I'm kind of excited. Um, so yeah, it's go to fun. The... I mean, baseball, to, like this is, this has done an awful lot to make the boring parts of baseball <laughs> days, not boring to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can find, find that note in the Facebook group or, or yeah, just, Email email Sam or email podcast at Baseball Prospectus where you should be emailing your questions for this week's email show in a couple days. You um, have Adam Ottavino, I believe. He I is, do. Uh, he has struck out eight of ten batters faced this year. Ah, oh, love it. That was yeah. one of my favorite picks. Mm-hmm. Um, we never people wanted us to talk about strategies that we used or that other people in our leagues used, and we never got around to that. Um, yeah, I don't think it's. I think it's. I don't think we. I don't think we have enough information to start processing. I don't. Yeah, I mean, the way that I did it was just at first. I just went for the high strikeout guys, so I just like sorted a, a leaderboard by strikeout percentage and just kind of went down and, and took the guys who were at the top of that, and then I sort of stopped doing that and I took innings guys, just guys who had you know like uh, like Adovino or like. 
Craig Stammen, who maybe don't have the best strikeout rates, but had pitched, you know, more reliever, more innings than is typical for a reliever. Um, and then in the in the late rounds, I don't know, I picked up some some converted starters. Big fan of those. Um, and I don't know, just some guys who throw hard and might be okay. But a few people in my league, at least, I mean, one one person just stopped taking people. Um, like several rounds before the end, just started drafting position players, which was an interesting strategy because you might figure that that late in the draft, you are just hurting yourself. You're getting guys who might who might tank your your runs allowed. Um, but I felt like that was kind of early to just sort of punt strikeouts at that point because you mm-hmm. kind of need the quantity also. Did anyone, did you notice anyone doing anything weird? No, I didn't. The 25th pick, a lot of teams' 25th pick was just a throwaway. Like Roger Clemens got drafted and mm-hmm. uh, Chris Davis got drafted and Tracy McGrady got drafted twice. And yeah. um, Skip Shoemaker might have been drafted. I can't remember. Prince Fielder uh, was drafted. Prince Fielder was drafted, yeah. So uh, uh, Craig Council was drafted. <laughs> uh, but no, not really. I mean, people, I think that people were just trying to think of names they'd heard of. And that, I mean, some you, there were a number of pitchers who were only drafted like once or twice, and, they, and I'd never heard of them. And they tended to be like, uh, you know, double A or even high A guys who had who were like 26-year-old relievers, totally not even close to prospects, but had like crazy strikeout numbers in AAA mm-hmm. or AA or single A. So some people went with the the minor league speculation. Mm-hmm. I tended to just, uh, I basically just drafted, like toward the end I just drafted whatever starter had just been converted to relief. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Big fan of those guys. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> should we, should, do you think they should sign up for Play Index? Yeah, I'd be in favor of that. Uh, go to go to baseballreference.com, subscribe to the Play Index, use the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 for a one-year subscription. And we will be back tomorrow.